You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, it's prediction time. Who makes the playoffs? Who are this year's award winners? And where the Jets will finish in the regular season. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Hope you guys had an awesome Thanksgiving weekend with the friends and family because they're not going to see you for a little while. (laughs) We're finally here, baby. The NHL regular season is on tap for Tuesday night and the Jets are set to kick off their campaign the following evening in Anaheim. So with that being said, it's time to make some predictions. We'll make our picks to see who gets into the playoffs in both the East and the Western Conference, as well as, most importantly, where I think the Winnipeg Jets will finish in the Central Division this upcoming season. And then we'll do some player awards at the end of the episode. So let's get right to it here. We'll start out East before making our way back to the Western Conference. I gotta make you guys work a little bit before we get into the Jets prediction. Uh, But we'll start out East. And why don't we go with the Atlantic Division to start? Just because I think things are a little more... um, Set in stone, I believe. There's a, a pretty clear divide, I think, with the uh, the haves and the have-nots in the Atlantic Division. For me, at least, it looks like there's a pretty clear divide between the top four teams in the Atlantic and then the bottom four teams in the Atlantic. Uh, bringing up the rear for the 1,000th year in the row, I got the Buffalo Sabres finishing dead last. Surprise, surprise. I mean, this is going to be as bad of a team as, as we've seen out of Buffalo in quite some time. And that really is saying something. But there's just not a whole lot to get excited for. And, and really, the only major storyline out of Buffalo this season is going to be when the Sabres eventually move Jack Eichel. But the Buffalo Sabres, no doubt about it, will finish well, well back of the rest of the teams in the Atlantic And that includes the Red Wings, who have got in the seventh spot. You know, I actually kind of wanted to put Detroit a little bit higher going into the season, but the Jacob Verona injury is just a a devastating blow for a Wings team that is going to struggle to score without him. They they were going to struggle to score with him, but arguably their best player since he was acquired last year. I don't think they have the depth to overcome that. So despite the Red Wings being on the rise... I've got the Red Wings in 7th spot in the Atlantic. 
Just behind the Ottawa Senators, who are still waiting to sign Brady Kachuk. Yeah, you might want to get on that, Sens. It's uh start of the regular season, so maybe get one of your best forwards into the lineup ASAP. I think Ottawa's a year away from making an actual playoff push. I think they're going to be competitive and pesky as hell, kind of like they were in the second half of, of the previous season. But I just don't think the pieces are there just yet for Ottawa to challenge some of the bigger dogs in the Atlantic, let alone the rest of the Eastern Conference. And then just missing out on the playoffs, after a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals, I got the Montreal Canadiens on the outside looking in, fifth in the Atlantic. When I look at the Montreal Canadiens, I don't see the team that rampaged their way through the playoffs last year and were a couple wins away from a Stanley Cup. I see a team that finished 23rd and 20th in the standings over the past couple of seasons. I mean, the loss of Shea Weber is is massive, and I... I as good as their defense is, I don't think they have anybody in there that, that can replicate and replace what Shea Weber brings. And then we just don't know what's going to go on with Carey Price this year. I, I mean, I hope he takes all the time he needs and does what's best for himself and his family. I mean, hockey should be the furthest thing from his mind right now. But if we're talking strictly on the ice stuff, I mean, that's a big, big blow in I don't know if Jake Allen is good enough to to take over the starters load and and give you something like what Carey Price did this past postseason. So, you know, I, I think even a fully healthy Montreal Canadian team would, would have struggled to find a way into the playoffs. But with the losses they've taken this offseason, looking like it's going to be a bit of a transition year for the Canadian. But Suzuki and Caulfield will be hella fun to watch. So at least Habs fans got that going for them. It's actually too bad Montreal suffered these losses in the offseason because, to me, the Boston Bruins, who I have coming in in the fourth spot in the Atlantic, are extremely vulnerable this season. I mean, obviously, Tukarask being in purgatory semi-retirement has put the Bees in a pretty tough spot, although a lot of people are high on Linus Allmark. Me, not so much. I wonder if Jeremy Swayman ultimately takes the crease there, but I think a downgrade in net for the Boston Bruins, but more importantly, David Krejci is a big, big blow to a Bruins team that wasn't super deep down the middle to begin with. I mean, Charlie Quill is going to get first crack at it. I don't think he's the answer. I ultimately think Boston's going to make a move early on in the season to acquire uh, a second-line center, but there's some pretty damn good teams at the top of the Atlantic Division, and I think when you take into account age with Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand, I mean, Bergeron's what, 36, 37? He's still going to be great, but I don't know if he's going to be the same player he was a few years ago. I think that's enough in a competitive division to put the Bruins into the four spot. Coming in at number three, everyone's favorite punching bag, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hey, look, you can make fun of the Leafs all you want, and they're probably going to blow it in the playoffs once again. But they're a damn good regular season team. It's really impossible to argue that, right? I mean, they've, they're putting up 100-point seasons each and every year the past couple of years. And I don't see why that would change anytime soon. So Toronto went at number three. Florida, for me, at number two. I'm all in on the Panthers hype. I wanted to pick them to finish atop the division. But there's a bit of a roadblock in case you haven't been watching hockey the past two years that we'll get to in just a bit. But I think the Panthers are primed for a massive, massive year. I mean, you have the trade for Sam Reinhart, kind of gone under the radar, I think, in the offseason. Barkov's deal gets done. Like, there's just a lot of positive vibes going on with the Panthers right now. And I think that 
either Bobrovsky or Spencer Knight. I think they're going to find the answer in net between one of those two. Who it's going to be, not totally sure yet. But I, I love everything Florida's doing. I think they're a no-doubt-about-it Stanley Cup contender. I've got them at the number two spot, which then leaves the back-to-back -back Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning finishing once again at the top of the division. For me, the only reason I wouldn't pick Tampa to finish first is maybe like fatigue or the Lightning knowing they don't need to turn it on until game one of the postseason. But to me, that's a really dumb way of, of not picking a team to finish a top. I mean, Tampa Bay legitimately might have the best forward group, defense core, and goaltender on the planet right now, even though they lost an entire freaking line during the offseason. So I think there's just too much talent for me in Tampa Bay right now to not pick them to finish atop the division. So I've got Tampa Bay, Florida, Toronto, and Boston getting into the postseason. Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo. Moving over to the Metro now. This is, for me, the hardest division to figure out in all of hockey. It is just an absolute bloodbath. The only real easy part for me in picking this one was... I think the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to be one of the worst teams in hockey. So, obviously, I got the Blue Jackets finishing dead last in the division. But other than that, I mean, I could kind of envision a scenario where the teams finish in any order. And you'd be like, yeah, that makes a little bit of sense. So, a little bit tough for me to figure it out. But you look at what the Blue Jackets have there right now. And, I mean, the exodus of talent that's gone out of there, out of Ohio the past couple of seasons. There's just not a lot of hope. The real focus, especially for us here in Winnipeg, is just going to be what kind of a player is Patrick Liney moving forward? And is he going to be in Columbus long term? I, I have no idea. I, I saw a tweet that Patrick Liney could score anywhere from 6 to 100 goals this year, and I wouldn't be totally surprised. I'm kind of like that with Patrick Liney. I just have no idea what to expect from him anymore. But that's going to be the main focus for me out of Columbus this year because I don't think they're going to be winning too many hockey games. So Columbus comes in last in the Metro, just ahead of the Blue Jackets in seventh. I've got the four-time reigning offseason winners, the New Jersey Devils, sitting into the seventh slot. I, I just don't see it yet. I really don't. And I get Dougie Hamilton is a big upgrade. I don't think he's going to be as good as he was in Carolina with New Jersey, but he's certainly an upgrade. But... It just feels like, okay, we got Dougie Hamilton, now it's playoff time because we've had a couple of number one overall picks the past few years. But it takes time when you have such a young, young team. And I just don't think the Devils are there quite yet, especially with some really, really good teams ahead of them right now. I'm going to say it's a year away from the Devils making a playoff push. They're better, but just not quite there yet. They kind of remind me of the New York Rangers, actually from a few years ago where everybody was expecting them to make the leap. And like we've seen with the Rangers, it takes a bit of time. Maybe New York makes that leap once we get further on in our rankings, our predictions here. But it's going to take the Devils a bit more time before they get up to the upper echelon of the Metro Division. So I feel like my predictions, my picks so far, I don't want to say chalk necessarily, but not no real upsets or anything like that. I think people would agree for the most part with what I've been saying. That's about to change right now. <laughs> this is my 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 big prediction. This is the one thing I think we finally see a changing of the guard in the NHL. For years and years, NBC, night after night after night, Crosby versus Ovechkin, Capitals, Penguins, Capitals, Penguins, Cap. 
That's all we've heard for the last 10 years. And, and they've been in the playoffs, tons of battles, everything like that. This is the beginning of the end. Because not only do I have the Washington Capitals missing the playoffs, I have the Pittsburgh Penguins joining them outside of the playoff picture as well. I've got Pittsburgh 5th, Washington 6th. Not that it really matters, though, because they're both going to miss the playoffs this year. I think this is finally the time. Both teams, I mean, look, both teams are old. They're definitely on the 17th or 18th hole. I mean, there's no doubt about that, whether you like them to make the playoffs or not. But, I mean, Pittsburgh's banged up already with Malkin being out long-term. Crosby, maybe not as long, but who knows how healthy he's going to be. Their goaltending is an absolute mess if it's going to be like it was in the playoffs against the Islanders. And with Malkin and Latang both in the final year of their deals with Pittsburgh, I kind of wonder if there's a bit of struggle early on if maybe you don't push the reset button a little bit out there in Pittsburgh with new GM Ron Hextall, who's shown uh, he's not afraid to make a, a, bold move, a bold move or two when it comes to the trade market. So, I mean, I'm not very high on Pittsburgh going into the year. And the same goes to the Capitals for me. I mean, they're just really old. That's it. They're really, really old. And Ovechkin's going to score a ton of goals, but he's not going to do a whole lot else at this point in his career. And I wonder if Nick Backstrom is as effective as he has been in the past. TJ Oshie is in his mid-30s. Evgeny Kuznetsov might be out the door as well. Vanacek and Samsonov is not a goaltending tandem I'm super, super fond of. I, I just think it's enough. I think they take a step back. I think both those teams take a step back. And in a super, super competitive division, I, I think it's enough to knock them out of the playoffs for the first time in what it feels like forever. So that, that's my big prediction league-wide as we see Pittsburgh and Washington outside of the playoff picture. Just sneaking in then at number four, I've got the Flyers. I know, I know my orange and black bias is showing a decent amount here, but the Flyers, they, they have this very, very annoying habit of being good one year bad the next good one year bad the next well they were awful last year which means they're primed for a rebound this year I do think Carter Hart is a much much better season and I think the Ryan Ellis edition pays off more than some of the other questionable moves that were made by the Flyers of the offseason I think that's enough to grab them one of the wildcard spots then I've got the two New York teams in second and third I'll go with the Islanders at three and the Rangers at two. You know, it's funny because New York had, in my opinion, one of the worst off-seasons of any team in the NHL this year. But they also made the most impressive, the most important move. One that I think people are kind of forgetting going into the year. And that's that Gerard Gallant's the head coach. A massive upgrade over David Quinn. And we've seen what Gerard Gallant can do with just about any team he's given. Uh, this Rangers team, though, was much more high-octane than the group he had out there in Vegas. And with Igor Shosturkin manning the crease there, I think Gerard Gallant's going to get the most out of the New York Rangers. So I'll put them ahead of the Islanders. And then I've got the Carolina Hurricanes back atop the division there. I just I love their forward group. You still have Slavin and Pesci there. And Ranta Anderson isn't the sexiest goalie tandem in the world, but... I think they can get it. I, th I think they're just good enough. And that's really all Carolina needs with the group that they've built up front. So I'll take the Hurricanes to win the Metro Division this season. So again, Carolina number one. Rangers, Islanders 2-3. Philly at four. Pittsburgh and Washington out of the postseason. 
followed by New Jersey and Columbus. So that'll do it for the East. Let's move out West. We'll get to the Central in just a second here, but we'll start off with the worst division in hockey, and that's the Pacific. I mean, it is really, really awful. And it's a shame for any bubble team in the NHL right now that's not in the Pacific because they could legit look at that and be like, we would be the number two team in that division. We'd have home ice instead of potentially missing the playoffs. I, I mean, it sucks. And it all starts with the California teams. It, it used to be California running the Pacific, but it's just been a tough, tough go for them as of late. I've got the Anaheim Ducks dead last in the Pacific. Trevor Zegras is going to be a joy to watch all year long, but it's not going to be enough to get the Ducks out of the basement. I got the Sharks at number seven and the Kings at number six. A ton of moves made by LA this offseason, but I just don't know if they have enough out there, even in a bad division, to get into the playoff mix. Vancouver, for me, sits into the number five spot. I really love their forward group. I, I think their top six is as good as just about any in the NHL. Thatcher Demko is going to be a really good starting goalie for a long time. But my God, that defense, it, there are no, it's so bad. It's so bad. And that's even with Quinn Hughes potentially having a bounce back season and, and being one of the, I don't know, 20 best defensemen in hockey. Even if he does that, that's still a bottom five defense core in the entire NHL. And it's cap strapped too on top of it all. It, I mean, just... I don't know what Jim Benning has to do to lose his job out there in Vancouver, but that defense core, woof. That's just, it's going to be a tough, tough watch for Canucks fans. So I, I, I feel bad for you guys. I'm making fun of you, but it's, it's going to be too bad that a really exciting forward group gets held back by a super, super suspect blue line. Which brings us to the top four in the Pacific. Now, it's going to be interesting to see if it's going to be a 4-4 four, four split like I have in the East when it comes to playoff teams. Because the Central is no doubt about it a better division than the Pacific, but just playing the California teams four or five times a season, does that elevate your point totals enough to where you're ahead of the fifth place team of the Central because it's more of a dogfight? I've got Seattle finishing fourth in the Pacific. I, I think it, it feels to me like there's two ends of the spectrum here, and I'm just going to go right down the middle. I think there's too many people saying Seattle is going to be just like Vegas, and they're going to be a super, super difficult team to play against. They're going to win a lot of games this year. But I also think there's too many people saying that they suck, and nobody's going to score for them. And how are they going to win any hockey games? I think it's somewhere right in the middle. Solid defense core, really good goaltending, but an iffy forward group up front. To me, that equals somewhere... 90, 91, 92 points. I, I just don't think they're as... I, I don't think we're going to see lightning in a bottle once again, like we saw with Vegas that one year. I, I just think Seattle is going to be a little bit behind it, and they're not going to be able to catch up to the two Alberta teams and, of course, the Vegas Golden Knights there. So I think a respectable finish for Seattle. We'll see them in the playoff conversation. I don't have them getting into the dance despite finishing fourth in the Pacific. Hey, look, we'll just get right to it here. I mean, it's no surprise. Vegas is going to finish first in the Pacific Division this season, and they're going to do so very, very handily on top of it. The one thing I am wondering about the Golden Knights, it's just this weird sneaking suspicion I've had for a little while now. I think they're going to get Jack Eichel, and not only are they going to get Jack Eichel, I think they're going to do the Kucherov. 
and put him on LTIR and get him once the playoffs start. I don't know how. I don't even know if it's possible, but there's just Vegas would be the team to do that. And so I've just had this sneaking suspicion that I've had for a while that I wanted to get off my chest and say it out loud. But I got Vegas at number one of the Pacific. I've actually, maybe in a bit of a surprise, I'm going to take the Calgary Flames to finish second. You know, Daryl Sutter, for all his faults, is a really, really good coach. And he might do it backwards. He might do it a little bit old school. But he really does get the job done. And it's funny he does it old school, yet all his teams have sterling elite analytics. But I think the Flames are going to be a lot better than people give them credit for. I think their forward group is, while I don't love the Blake Coleman contract long term, I think the Flames have a pretty damn good top nine. And I think Jacob Markstrom has a much better year in year two with a new team. It's always tough for a goalie in that first season to make that transition. I think he's going to be really, really solid for them playing behind that Daryl Sutter defense. And I think the Calgary Flames have a bit of a resurgence this year to finish second in the Pacific, just ahead of the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, I want to pick the Oilers higher, but that defense court might be worse than Vancouver's. And this Duncan Keith, Cody Cece experiment is must-watch TV and and quite possibly for all the wrong reason. I'm just blown away at the Edmonton Oilers putting everything in, in Duncan Keith's basket at the age of 38. And then I, I just don't know what to make of Mike Smith, right? Like, he kind of came out of nowhere last year, almost 40 years old, to have the season of his career. I just don't know if we could expect that this season, and I don't know if Koskinen's going to find his game either. So I think some questions on the blue line in the net keep the Edmonton Oilers from grabbing home ice, but I think McDavid, Dreisaitl, there, there's just too much talent up front for them not to grab a playoff spot in the worst division in hockey. So I've got Vegas at number one in the Pacific, followed by Calgary and Edmonton. Seattle finishes fourth in their debut season, but outside of the playoffs, Vancouver, L.A., San Jose, and Anaheim. So now we get to the main event here. Where will the Winnipeg Jets finish in the Central Division this season? Well, we'll get to that in just a second. But first, a quick word from our friends over at DraftKings. Another week of the NFL season is in the books and another one is on tap. So that means a big shot to win at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets. Get this. If either team scores a point. For those that don't know, the last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943. So, I mean, the odds are on your side on this one, so you might want to get into that. But if Sportsbook isn't available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. They've still got huge, huge cash prizes all season long with their daily fantasy sports contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get into it here. Will the Winnipeg Jets make the playoffs? Where will they finish in the Central? The summer of Chevy is done. What is the fall? Ha- All these questions in mind here. Let's get right into it now. Where will the Winnipeg Jets finish in the Central Division? To me, there's two easy answers when it comes to the Central. The top and the bottom. All the way at the bottom, the soon-to-be Houston Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes will finish dead last, and they will do so by a comfortable margin. The only question with Arizona is going to be A, again, are they going to move to Houston? And B, will they be as bad as Buffalo this season? An awful, awful team. No need to talk about them anymore. Up at the top, no questions asked either. The Colorado Avalanche are the team to beat in the West, and and you could probably say the team to beat in all of hockey as well. Despite some losses this offseason, they are just absolutely stacked from top to bottom. And as good as some of the other teams in the Central are going to be, it's going to be tough to keep the Avalanche from running away with the division title a month before the season comes to an end. I, I just think it's a special group they have over there. So everybody in the free world is going to have Colorado at number one, Arizona at the bottom of the division. So let's work our way back from the bottom then. Seventh in the Central. It's weird to say this, but... Not weird when you've seen the trajectory the team has been on over the past few years, but I've got the Nashville Predators coming in in the seventh spot. I think they're basically headed into a rebuild right now. You trade Ryan Ellis, not going to be surprised if Matthias Ekholm and Philip Forsberg are on the way out this offseason as well. And even though UC Saros is one of the elite goalies in the NHL, not enough for me to put Nashville anywhere near the playoff mix, so I've got them seventh in the central. Number six, the Witten. Just kidding. Easy, easy. Number six, I've got the St. Louis Blues. The downfall from the downfall since their Stanley Cup win, I should say. It continues this year. And I I wonder if it costs Craig Berube his job, even though I don't think it's his fault. But something to keep an eye on as it's gone further and further south for the Blues since their Miracle Cup run. I'm just look. They've got a they've got a sneaky good forward group there. I actually kind of like the Blues group of forwards, but the defense core is just meh. Since since Alex Petrangelo left, they didn't do a great job of replacing him the past season. Even though they did sign Tory Krug to that big money deal, and I wonder about Colton Pareko's back issues. I mean, he he was on track to be kind of the premier shutdown defenseman in the NHL, but. I, as somebody with a history of back problems, it is really, really tough to overcome that. So I have my concerns about the blue line for the Blues. And Bennington's a great story, but I think he's just an average starter, which is fine. But the Blues need a little more than average if they're going to want to get into the playoff mix. And I think that keeps them outside of the line. I've got the Blues finishing in sixth, just behind apparently everyone's flavor of the week. The Minnesota Wild. I've got the Minnesota Wild finishing fifth in the Central, but beating out Seattle for the final playoff spot in the Western Conference. Hey, look, the Wild were great last year. They were super fun to watch, actually entertaining maybe for the first time in their history. And, and hey, look, Kaprizov is worth the price of admission. They've got some good players out there with, with the Wild now, but I, I just feel like maybe I'm missing something here. 
Like, I'm not seeing what everybody else is seeing when it comes to the Minnesota Wild. And I feel like people are also underestimating the loss of Ryan Suter and, and even Zach Parise to an extent as well, right? Like, well, they, they're not the players they once were. That's still a difficult task to replace in your lineup. And, and I don't think Minnesota did it at all, right? I mean, Suter especially, while not living up to the contract again, was a pretty good top four defenseman for the Wild last year. And I don't know if Alex Goligoski is going to be the answer to replace him. So I, I just, I, I've seen some people have the Wild atop the division. Hell, the Athletic, that's where it was. The Athletic had Minnesota just behind Colorado in the Central Division. I just don't see that at all. I think the Wild are a good team, pesky, but I think they come back down to earth a little bit. Maybe the 56-game season hid some of the flaws that would show up over the course of 82 games. But I don't think Minnesota is the cream of the crop when it comes to the Central. I got them sneaking into the playoffs in the fifth spot. So that leaves us down to four in the Central Division. Colorado up at number one. Number four for me, the Wit... No, not just yet. I got the Chicago Blackhawks finishing fourth in the Central Division this season. A ton of moves. The busiest team in the NHL this past year. And I, I think it pays off for them. I mean, look, Marc-Andre Fleury was the Vesna winner, and you picked him up for zip. Didn't have to give up anything for him. And, and Fleury and Lankinen is a pretty damn good goaltending tandem. I, I had them as a top-five goalie tandem in the NHL. So their goaltending is going to be solid. I am actually a believer in Seth Jones. I'm going to disagree with the analytics on this one. I think he's going to have a really, really good year with Chicago, and I think he's his talents are going to be maximized in this particular system that Chicago plays. I think John Tortorella was holding him back a little bit. I think the big dog's going to run a little bit. They're going to give him free reign. And I, I don't know if he lives up to the 9.5 mil, but I think Seth Jones has a really, really solid season for Chicago. And Jake McCabe was a sneaky good signing as well. So I think their decor is improved. And the forward group, that I mean, the talent's still there, right? We, we don't know what we're getting out of Jonathan Taves just yet. But if he's where he was two seasons ago, that's a really big boost for Chicago's offense. Kane and Debrinkhead are as electric as it gets. And if Kirby Dog takes a step at 20 years old, they're, they're going to be a, a really, really tough team to slow down, I think. So... I like Chicago to get back into the playoff dance this year. Not near the top of the division, but I think most Blackhawks fans would take Chicago finishing fourth right now, and that's where I've got them. Which leaves us two more teams to get to here, so Jets fans, let's finally get to it. I've got the Winnipeg Jets finishing second in the Central Division this season. I think I think that's about as good as we can get, right? As good of an offseason as Winnipeg had, to me, they're just a notch below what Colorado's printing to the table right now. But it's still a damn good spot to be in, right? I mean, you're talking about home ice advantage of the opening round, which, you know, in my prediction, would be the Winnipeg Jets up against the Dallas Stars. That, to me, is going to be the most intriguing battle in the Central this year, is I think the Jets and the Stars are going to be going toe-to-toe, and it's going to go right down to the wire as to who finishes second, and who finishes third in the division? I mean, Dallas was hit with damn near everything last season, and they still almost made the playoffs, right? But I mean, COVID, injuries, all of it. Yet we saw Rupe Hintz have a breakout season playing with injury all year. Joe Pavelski turns back the clock again. Robertson almost won the Calder. 
I mean, if Sagan, Ben, and Radulov have even decent seasons, they're now in secondary roles. Those three are driving the bus offensively for Dallas. The defense score is still solid for the Stars. It's funny because what might hold the Stars back this year is goaltending, which is weird to say when they've got Hudobin and Holtby and, and maybe Ben Bishop and even Jake Ottinger, the youngster there. But I, I think if the Stars get capable goaltending, they're going to be right there with Winnipeg in the chase for home ice. But the reason I have the Jets finishing second in the Central, and if you've been listening over the offseason, I mean, I've kind of teased it, but I think you can piece together why, I, I guess myself and, and a few others, I mean, Frank Cervelli had the Jets winning the Stanley Cup in his bold predictions he unveiled. Um, but I got the Jets finishing second in the Central, and, and for me, it's pretty obvious the main reason behind that. The summer of Chevy and the two big additions on the blue line. I don't think Nate Schmidt or Brendan Dillon are top pair defensemen, but the Winnipeg Jets now have six, no doubt about it, capable D-men, and potentially, at the very least, six second-pairing defensemen, depending on the jump that Logan Stanley might make this upcoming season. So the blue line is just solid. It's not spectacular, but it's solid. And you've got guys fitting into proper roles, too. You've got Josh Morrissey playing with a puck mover, somebody who can help him out with maybe the biggest weakness of his game. You've got the size of Brandon Dillon and the nastiness and the physicality that's been missing since Dustin Bufflin left. He's there playing beside Neil Pionk, a pairing that seems to be just perfectly made for each other. And then Dylan DeMello, who can take just about anybody and make his pairing better. Dylan DeMello is going to work on a third pair with Logan Stanley after a standout rookie season. So the defense has gone from a major, major weak spot, not to a strength, but to a point where it's not a concern anymore. It's right around the middle of the table in the NHL, which is a major, major leap forward from where they had been previously. And I think even more so than just bringing in two, no doubt about it, top four defensemen, I think the biggest boost we're going to see from the additions of Dylan and Schmidt is how much they improve the rest of the team. Because I think Josh Morrissey is going to be better. I think Neil Pionk is going to be even better than he was last year, and he was really, really good last year. But I think the forwards, too, see a major boost in their game. Like, I I wonder how much the defensive issues that have plagued this team in terms of their forwards these past couple of seasons have been because they were just incapable of shouldering the load when you had guys like Poolman and Forbert and, and Kulikov and, you know, the list goes on and on of guys playing major, major minutes. I think we see the forward group take a bit of a step forward this year as well because the play behind them is going to be much more improved. And then you have Connor Hellebuck. I mean, one of the two best goalies on the planet right now. Him and Vasilevsky, right? Like, take your pick. I wonder what Connor Hellebuck's going to look like in front of a much more improved defense group. I think the Jets are going to be more aggressive this season as well. I think we'll see more pinches in the offensive zone. I think we'll see defensemen step up in the neutral zone as well. I'm not going to say the Jets are going to be a great analytic team, but they're going to be an okay one. And and that's going to be enough. That That's enough when you have high-end skill up front and one of the best goalies on the planet behind you. So I, I just think there's going to be enough improvement in basically all three phases of the game for the Jets 
Plus, the final thing I want to get to about, you know, and, and this is more in the intangible side of things, but I think there's some validity to it, at least early on in the season for me, on why I might have the Jets higher up than some people do. I mean, I do want to mention, too, the depth in the organization is great going into the year. Having guys like Perfetti and Hainala and, and Kovacevic and, you know, go on and on and on. Players that can jump in if there is injuries. So the depth is great. But there is a really, really good vibe around the team right now, isn't there? I mean, Nate Schmidt is a huge part of that. He just seems like an absolute beauty and everybody loves him. But it's just all positivity right now with the Winnipeg Jets. And and I get that a lot of teams are feeling good about themselves heading into the season, but it feels like a breath of fresh air inside the Winnipeg locker room right now. And, and I, I just think the team's mindset is in a really good spot. So intangibles, on-ice improvements, everything. I really, really like the way the Winnipeg Jets are looking heading into the season. And there you have it. I've got the Winnipeg Jets finishing behind the division-winning Colorado Avalanche, but grabbing the second spot just ahead of the Dallas Stars in third. Chicago gets fourth. Minnesota fifth, but a playoff spot still. St. Louis, Nashville, Arizona miss out on the postseason. Would love to know what you guys think about the predictions there. Do you have the Jets? I mean, I, I can't imagine you have the Jets higher. But do you have the Jets in second? Do you have them a little lower? And are there any pessimists among us that have the Jets outside of the playoffs? But would love to know why you think that as well. So again, hit me up on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki and let me know what you guys think about my predictions and any predictions you guys might have as well. Now, before we wrap things up today, one last piece of business before we call it quits. Let's make some awards predictions as well, because the playoffs aren't enough. Let's try to figure out who's going to take home some hardware once the season is done as well. So we'll take a look at some prop bets here. I'll give you guys my picks to win the award, as well as a potential sleeper, somebody that's outside of the top 10 in some different sports books that I've looked at that, hey, if you you know, like my advice, and you want to make a little bit of money, you could potentially throw down some dollars on that as well. So let's get into it here. We'll start with the big one, the Hart Trophy. Who is going to be league MVP? My Hart Trophy pick, surprise, surprise, it's Connor McDavid. I mean, we don't really have to overthink this one, I don't think. Connor McDavid might get 150 points this year. I mean, that's it. Just let, let's not overthink this. If Connor McDavid scores... Anywhere from 130 to 150, the award is his unanimously and we can all go home and move on with our lives and figure out something more important. He's just, he's the best player in hockey and he's the best player in hockey by a wide, wide margin. Now, as far as a sleeper pick, again, it's tough to pick against McDavid, but my sleeper pick is actually going to be the person that we talk about with our next award. I'm going to go with Kale McCarr, actually, and this is a major, major sleeper pick. I mean, we just don't see defensemen win the Hart Trophy whatsoever. I think Chris Pronger would have been the last one, and that was 20 years ago now, you know, back when he was with the St. Louis Blues. But, I mean, I just think Kale McCarr is really, really special. I mean, obviously, if I'm taking him as my sleeper pick to win the Hart, you know I'm going to pick him to win the Norris Trophy. But I think he's the best defenseman in hockey, and I think he's a lot closer to Connor McDavid than he is to some of the other All-Stars in the NHL. And I, I think we're going to see a really, really special season out of Kale McCarr this year. And I, I just wonder if, say, McDavid misses some time due to injury, 
and maybe the point totals aren't as high as we all anticipate it to be, if Bacard puts up 90 or, or 100 points on a President's Trophy-winning Avalanche team, would that be enough to potentially earn him some hardware? It might be worth throwing a couple bucks on it to see if it happens. So that'll be my sleeper pick for the Hart Trophy. Kale McCarr, but Connor McDavid likely wins the Hart Trophy running away. Yes, that does mean that I have Kale McCarr winning the Norris Trophy as best defenseman in hockey. My sleeper pick, in my opinion, he's the most underrated player in all of hockey right now. But I'm going to go with Mackenzie Wieger. I know Aaron Ekblad generates more of the headlines and, and the spotlight. And he's higher as far as odds go with Norris Trophy odds on top of that. But man, watching Mackenzie Wieger down the stretch when Aaron Ekblad was injured, I was blown away at how dynamic he is. I, I mean, there are no weak spots in his game. And I think if Florida has a big season... We might see Mackenzie Wieger take that next step to to borderline superstardom levels. I don't mind looking at him outside of the top 10 and picking Mackenzie Wieger as my sleeper Norris pick. So let's keep an eye out for him in Florida. To the Selkie, let's give Winnipeg some love here. No, no, not the Jets. The city of Winnipeg. Because Mark Stone, born and raised right here in Winnipeg, former teammate of my younger brother, Joey Rowicki. I think Mark Stone is finally going to grab the first Selkie trophy of his career this year. It's been long overdue. The best defensive winger in hockey by a mile. I think we finally see Mark Stone get his due here, and he grabs that Selkie trophy as the best defensive forward in all of hockey. Sleeper picks were kind of tough when it came to the Selkie. I, I mean, there's not a lot of odds on it to begin with, I went with Austin Matthews, but I don't know. Like, when you try to pick somebody outside of the top 10 when it comes to the Selkie, there's there's not really a lot to choose from, but he's got a great stick. He's in Toronto, right? Like, maybe, maybe the Toronto bias pushes him up there? I don't know. I don't really have a great case for a Selkie sleeper. Just take Mark Stone to win the damn award this year. Uh, let's move on now to the Maurice Richard. Speaking of Austin Matthews, even with the wrist injury... Even with missing the first couple games of the season, I'm going to take Austin Matthews, the chalk pick, to win the Richard Trophy, to score the most goals of the NHL this season, and I think he's going to breeze past 50 despite missing some time. As far as a sleeper pick for the uh, Rocket Richard Trophy, I mentioned him a little bit earlier in the episode, but Patrick Laine is plus 3,500 for anybody that's interested. I mean, he had like the 15th or the 16th best odds, I mean, he can fall out of bed and score 30 power play goals. And if he gets hot at any point in time, that's not a bad pick, I don't think. I, I don't anticipate him to, but he at least has the pedigree to score 50. He almost did it as a 19-year-old. I don't mind taking a bit of a long shot bet on Patrick Laine to win the Rocket Richard Trophy. For those that are wondering here in Winnipeg, Cal Connor is 11th. In Rocket Richard odds at plus 2,600 if you want to make a bet on that. That's actually pretty good value. Again, for a guy that I think a lot of people think can score well over 40 goals. As far as long shots go, you could do a lot worse than Cal Connor at plus 2,600. Moving over to the Vesna Trophy. Can Connor Hellebuck win his second Vesna? I mean, look, he can. He's not going to be my pick, though. I, I think Connor Hellebuck finishes in the top five 
a Vesna voting. But I'm going to go with Darcy Kemper, actually. Just because, I mean, he's put up great numbers in Arizona for a few years now. If anything, his numbers are going to get even better with the Colorado Avalanche. Important, too, the NHL GMs picked the Vesna Award winner. And he's going to rack up the wins, which is a terrible way to evaluate a goalie. But NHL GMs will still look at that. I think the numbers are going to be spectacular as well. As long as he avoids the injury bug, I like Darcy Kemper to win the Vesna this year. My sleeper pick, you know, I mentioned this talking about the Pacific. But I think the Calgary Flames are going to be a really tough team to score against this year. And that's going to bode well for Jacob Markstrom, who is way, way down the list. But a guy that's been close before in his last year in Vancouver, I could see Jacob Markstrom having a big, big year with the Flames, not having to face super difficult chances. I don't mind taking a shot at him as my sleeper Vesna pick. Two more awards to get to. Let's get through them quickly here so we can get on with our day. Uh, the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. I like Trevor Zegras out of Anaheim. I mean, the kid, in my opinion, is a superstar in the making. And I think he's going to play a ton of minutes. I also think Ryan Getzlaff is going to be traded. So I think we see Zegras first line, first power play, all that. And somewhere in the 60-point range, I think that's enough for him to take home the Calder Trophy. Although Cole Caulfield might have something to say about that. As far as sleeper picks, I'll give you a couple here. A pair of attendees. Uh, Swayman out of Boston. I mean, he's put up big numbers anywhere he's gone. He's a big, big goalie. You know, for a Bruins team that's probably going to make the playoffs, not a bad pick because it's generally just forwards or goalies that win the Calder. But also, Alex Nedeljkovic is somehow still eligible for the Calder Trophy. I feel like he played the entire season with Carolina last year. But... He gets the reins out there in Detroit, and look, he's not going to get a lot of wins, but if he puts up solid numbers, maybe that's enough for him to grab the Calder Trophy. So a couple sleeper picks I like with that one. The final award that we'll get to here, the Jack Adams. You know, I think this is my sleeper pick, actually. Um, but because I like the Calgary Flames so much to have a big bounce back year, I'm going to go with Daryl Sutter as you know both my pick and my sleeper pick to win the Jack Adams. And again... The Jack Adams is the dumbest award in all of sports, maybe, because when it comes to who wins the Coach of the Year award, it's always a surprise team that comes out of quote-unquote nowhere and makes the playoffs when people don't think they will. And I think the Flames are going to fit that mold this year. So looking around the league, you know, there's not really going to be a ton of upheaval, I think, when it comes to playoff teams. I mean, I have Philly making it, but I don't know if Elaine Vigneault is going to do enough to win the Jack Adams with the Flyers. I think Daryl Sutter is a pretty solid pick, although Jeremy Colton, too, might be one if Chicago gets in. But I like Daryl Sutter to turn back the clock and earn. I don't even know if he's won the Jack Adams before. I'm not going to look it up either, though, because it's pretty damn late. But there's my final awards pick of the night, and that'll wrap up our prediction show here. So thank you guys so much for listening. Again, just a reminder... Playoff teams this year out east, Florida, Tampa, Toronto, Boston, Carolina, Rangers, Islanders, Philly. In the west, Vegas, Calgary, and Edmonton. The central, I have Colorado first. Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Jets finishing second in the central this year. Followed by Dallas, Chicago, and then Minnesota grabbing the final wildcard spot in the conference. But prediction time is basically moot because the regular season is upon us. I can't 
wait. I freaking cannot wait for our next episode here. It'll come Friday morning, but we'll get to break down some actual Winnipeg Jets hockey. We'll talk in our next episode all about the season opener in Anaheim. Make sure to bring you guys an in-depth breakdown of that one. So 100% tune into that one. I, I cannot wait to get into it. But until then, we're back on Friday. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll talk soon. Peace.